Good morning. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here. My name is Tom, for those of you I've yet to meet. Uh, We have a lot of people and not a lot of seats. So uh, I'm going to ask that if there's room in between, uh, if you could move toward the center row on both sides. And that way, uh, for people that are still arriving, that would uh, give them an opportunity to find a seat more easily. We're so glad there's so many of you here. We have front front row seats over here in the splash zone if you're if you feel so inclined. Thank you very much. We'll be getting started in just a moment. Good morning. All right, both of you. Good. Welcome. Um, who's a little confused today, not sitting in a circle? Right? It's a trip, huh? Well, don't worry. It'll be back next week. Those of you who don't normally go here, you're like, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. This is probably more normal for you. So, uh, we're so glad to have you all here today. Uh, this is a special day. We do this once a year. It's a little different. Um, we have turned the service over to the youth of Bethany, um, middle school and high school today. Uh, so they're, gonna, they're, they're running this thing top to bottom with the help of um, some of the youth leaders and volunteers and, uh, and myself. And so, But before we dive into that, uh, we wanted to acknowledge, because we, we think it's really actually neat that this year it fell on Mother's Day. So those of you right now that are going, oh, no, it's Mother's Day, you can thank me later um, and figure that out, what, what you're going to do. But, uh, but we found it really awesome, and so we want to take advantage of that. And, uh, and so before we dive in and, and hand this over to the kids, I just wanted to share with you really briefly, just uh, it was actually a message. I, I, was driving, uh, I was driving home from Montrose uh, about two weeks ago, and, and I, I, my wife knows I love nut. One of my favorite things in the world is AM radio. I'm weird like that. And around here, you don't get much of it. And uh, there was a uh, Charles Swindoll sermon on Mother's Day that was on. And, uh, and it was, I thought it was great. It was, and so he, he just talked about a couple of scriptures. And I'm not going to give you the whole sermon. Don't worry. I'm just going to touch on a couple of the scriptures. And then a couple of our kids are going to come up and help me with the end part of it here in a second. So I just wanted to read these to you. Um, it meant a lot to me, especially this year. Um, we are celebrating Mother's Day today in the Patrick household um, for the first time. Even though we have a kid, it just hasn't come out of my wife yet. So um, 
but we're counting that as her as a mom. So, um, so it, it's a special one for, for for us as well. So, I just wanted to share this with you. I'm reading out of Proverbs 31. I'm just going to skip through, starting in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, she is more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for her household, for all her household household are clothed in scarlet. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of the household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so, today, because the Bible says so, women, we we, we praise you. We thank you for being um, tender. Like, I struggle. I'm a guy, right? Like, what what are the right words here? We, we, We praise you for being the things that we obviously are not. And, and we understand here at Bethany fully that this may not be the best holiday for some of you. And so, women, we just thank you today. Mothers, we thank you. We love you. And so, right now, I'm going to ask uh, my friends Dory and Dana to come up here. Um, they have um, what is the job description of a mother. And they're going to read that for you uh, in, in, in case some of you are thinking about motherhood. This is when you come up, guys. Yeah, come on. And they're going to read this for you. Um, but before we do that, I want to just take a second and let's uh, let's let's just pray for our women here in our church today. Father God, you are good, and, and we know that by but by the women that we have sitting here, that is proof that you looked down and you and you said, "Oh man, it is not good for him to be alone." So, I will make woman, and we just thank you so much that you have, because, Lord, I know I'd probably be sitting in front of 7-Eleven eating white powder donuts and drinking something called orange juice if it wasn't for my wife. We thank you so much for the blessings that they bring us. We thank you for the way that they organize our households and the way that they can Rebuke us men with this weird look that can send chills, but works amazingly. And God, I I pray for women who, who, um, this is not their favorite holiday. For whatever the reasons may be, whether it is miscarriage or loneliness or whatever, God, we, we just pray that you comfort them, that you know that their church loves them, and that their church needs them as women of God. So we thank you for all women this morning. And we love you. And we are just so thankful for the gifts that you give us. In your 
Son's name we pray. Amen. Position, mother, mom, mama. Job description, long-term team players needed for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shift on call. <laughs> Some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sport tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses not reimbursed. <laughs> Extensive career, career duties are also required, frequently on very short notice. Responsibilities, the rest of your life, must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, until someone needs money. must be willing to bite your tongue repeatedly. Also, must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and be able to go from zero to 60 miles per hour in three seconds flat. In case, this time, the screams from the backyard are not just crying wolf. Must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. Must have ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. Must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. Must handle assembly and product safety testing of a million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. Must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. Must assume the final complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance and jan janitorial work throughout the facility. Possibility for advancement and promotion. Virtually none. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining, constantly retraining, and updating your skills so that those in your, in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience, none required. Unfortunately, on the job training, unfortunately, on the job training offered on a continually exhausting basis. Wages and composition, get this, you pay them. Offering frequent raises and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will help them become financially independent. When you die, you give them whatever is left. The oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and wish you could only do it more. Benefits. No health or dental ins insurance. No pension. No tuition reimbursement. No paid holidays. No stock options are offered. However, this job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth and free hugs for life if you play with your cards right. Okay, all right. So uh, next up, what we have for you guys, this is one of my favorite things because uh, I've, I've been around for a while now. And I've gotten to see um, a lot of our kids go from when we had them when they were doing these kinds of things in middle school to um, now leaving for college uh, or just um, upperclassmen or just in high school. And um, 
just seeing the growth in them and those sorts of things. So uh, the first student that I'm going to have come up, we have three students share with you this morning. And the first student I'm going to have share with you this morning, his name is Bryce Johnston. Um, he's playing the drums, by the way, back here as well. Come here, buddy. Yeah. So Bryce was shorter than me when I first knew him. Um, uh, I've gotten to know Bryce pretty well. I, I knew Bryce before I even became the youth pastor here, and it's been um, pretty awesome. Um, I've probably beat on this kid more than any other kid in, in, in the church in, in a good way, but he always asked for it and kind of liked it. I don't know what that says about him. Um, but uh, we've had some great times. He's been on so many youth trips with us, and uh, I'm just so blessed and encouraged to get to see uh, how much he's grown and get to see him up here worship, and then now he's going to come up here and share with you all. So tell him a Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Matt said I got five minutes, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be five minutes. I... Uh, he, we got this sheet that was for everyone what they're supposed to speak about, and next to everyone's name, it had a five-minute thing in parentheses, but mine didn't. So I was like, you know, maybe I got 15, 20 minutes. And so I wrote Matt this, like, 27-page email about everything I was going to say, you know, figuring I had quite a while. And he texted me back and was like, okay, it's, you need to shorten that quite a bit. But you don't have very long. But he asked me to talk about two things. Um, the first is breakthroughs I've had on youth trips. Uh, as he said, I've... I've been on quite a few. I went to California three times in the past three years, I guess. And I had the opportunity to go to Africa at the age of 14 and 16. Last year was the most recent time. And um, in California, it was, we had, I think, 30 kids go the last time. It was huge. And the whole point of the trip was to make your life worship. And I felt like that was... I mean, that's something not a lot of people realize because we got, it was to make your whole life worship instead of just the two, three hours we're in here. I guess in Tom's case, like four or five hours. Just kidding. I love you. Not really, I love you. But <laughs> um, that kind of ties in. When I went to Africa last year, we went to a township, which is, I guess this is what you see in all the pictures. It's the tin shacks, you know, kind of the perfect picture of Africa, what people think it is. And, sorry, and uh, these people, I think total that, wow. Uh, okay, can you hear me? Okay, I think total that Sunday, those people worshipped around six hours. We went to the church, and they had already been worshipping two or three hours. And after we left, they worshipped probably another three or four hours. And these people, I heard that, like, at least 20 or 30 of them in the church had the AIDS uh, virus and these people still, with that, not knowing if they're going to wake up the next morning or where their next meal is going to come from, a lot of them, worship God literally like there was no tomorrow. And at the age of 16, it, it was, I guess, so tough to see because I didn't, I didn't really know what to think. And I was like, wow, this is incredible for us in America, people that have so much. And the way we worship compared to the, the way they worship it's just, I mean, it was incredible to see these people laid it all out there. They didn't care what anyone thought, and they did it for, I mean, for forever. And that was, I mean, it was incredible to see. And right next to the church, there was an orphanage where uh, there was a lot of AIDS orphans there. Most of them had AIDS, and most of their parents had died from AIDS. And 
I got a, I sat down with this one kid and just kind of played with him for a little while. And I looked in this kid's eyes, and it was like, I mean, it killed me. Because to see this kid who lives with virtually nothing, I mean, now he was in a shelter and he had food and stuff. But these kids, most of their, I mean, well, all their parents had died from AIDS, and about 95% of them had AIDS. And these kids, I mean, they looked into your eyes with, with nothing, and it hurt because to know how fortunate we are here and what we have and what we take, wow, <laughs> what we take for granted, I mean, it hit me so hard to know, you know, to come back to the greatest country on earth and say, look what we have and look what we, you know, we take for granted. And these kids that have nothing, they don't, they don't take anything for granted. Every bite of food, you know, could be their whole life because they don't know if they're going to get up the next morning or how long they're going to live. And that was, I mean, it was incredible. It was a tough experience to go through to help. I mean, we helped build a church there and we helped with that orphanage and stuff. And it was, uh, it was amazing. So I guess I just want to encourage you. I mean, be every day now. I'm so thankful for what I have, especially today, like my mom. You're the best. <laughs> and, I mean, I wake up and think, God, what if I was in their shoes and in their situation with nothing? You know, what would I have? Because I have so much to live for here. But those kids have nothing. And it's, I hope I get to go back and see them soon because I miss them a lot. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that was, uh, that was one experience that I've had. And he also asked me to talk about how the gospel's helped me through tough times. I guess just God, how he's helped me. Uh, the past two years I've had really, really bad sinus issues. I have bad allergies anyway, but... It got, I mean, it got really bad to a point where I, like, I couldn't, I just couldn't breathe through my nose. And so I went to two, three doctors and finally had sinus surgery about four or five months ago. And it got to times they thought at one point I might have a disease that I would succumb to and that if I had it, you know, I'd probably die. And at, at that time, I got low. It got really low. And one time we went to the doctor and he basically said, I don't know what to do with you. And I thought, wow, all right. But, and I asked God, you know, I started a question, which was really tough. I said, why? You know, why me? Why now? Why at this time of my life, with everything I'm involved in, especially running, you know, not being able to breathe kind of puts a hamper on that, <laughs> you know? So I was like, why? But every time he would show up with something or someone to, you know, that said it was going to be okay. I have two verses. I think Ryan was going to put them up. Uh, the first one is First Peter 5, 7. And it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Okay, never mind. That's not the one. Well, I think it's the next verse. Yeah. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And he does. And every time that verse would show up and tell me, you know, that he does care for you, no matter, no matter how low it gets, he's always going to be there. And the second one was Psalm 56, 6, and it said, You know how troubled I am. You have kept a record of my tears. And, I mean, that can be taken literal. He totally does. I mean, he knows every time you cry. And it's like, 
I took that as he's, I mean, he's always going to be there. You have to trust that and you have to know that no matter what. Because at times when I was questioning, I thought, you know, are you really going to come through? And are you who you say you are? And it hurt. And it was a, I felt the whole two-year process was an absolute test of my faith. Because I can admit that I felt like I was drawing away from God. And it was a test. And he hit me at, I guess, my weakest point, And that was my athletics. I guess not my weakest point, my most important thing, which, you know, that's classic of him to hit you where it hurts most. And it, it drew me, it drew my attention hard. And I said, you know, why, why this? But then I realized it, it was a test to see where I was at and if I was going to turn to him or turn away, which, I mean, it hurt to know, to realize that I was drawing away from God because I thought it was all fine, but it wasn't. So I guess uh, I was just encourage you that you never know, I mean, when he's going to test you, but you always got to be ready. And I found out that the really hard way, which hurt. But now I look back and think, you know, it was a test, and I thank him so much for that because, I mean, it's drawn me so much closer to him. So thank you. The uh, next high schooler we have is my friend Bobby Corn, affectionately Bobby Crack Corn, um, whatever she prefers. Now Bobby was telling me before she came up here. Okay, I've known Bobby um, for a while. She was when I was at Western. I did uh, my um, independent study for my major on youth ministry, and Bobby was one of the kids I interviewed in uh, sixth grade. Then, and she's seriously like the tiniest person I've ever seen in my life in that video. I was watching it the other day, and I was just cracking up. But she was telling me how nervous she is to be up here, which is ridiculous, because we play this game called Zorg Football. And in Zorg Football, basically, if you mess up, the group gets to do something to humiliate you. Um, They they come up with a dare for you to do. Um, What what are some of the dares that you've had to do, Bobby? Um, I've had to run into subways saying obnoxious things, (laughs) and I had to do some pretty embarrassing things in hotels. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so um, she, she's, she's willing to run through Subway yelling or barking or whatever animal we chose, um, crab walking, etc. So I was like, Bobby, this is nothing compared to that. So we're not asking you to do anything embarrassing. So um, Bobby's awesome, and, and it's just been so great to see her grow, and she's been such a huge blessing. So Bobby, do your thing. Okay, mine's not going to be as, like, intense as Bryce's, but anyway. Um, I've been going to youth groups since I was, like, sixth grade, and it was when Community and Bethany were separated. And then when I heard that they were going to go together, I was a little bit skeptical, and I, like, didn't know what to think. But, and I went to Community in the mornings at, for Awakening. But then when they went together, I started coming here, and I liked it a lot more. Nothing, but I like Community, too, but I just like it here, and, um, the youth group's really fun, and being in middle school, transitioning into high school, you get to know the upperclassmen more, so it's easier to learn about God when you know the upperclassmen going into high school, and I've gone through a lot of youth group leaders, because, like, they keep moving, and, um, but I've grown close to each and every one of them, and I'm, like, I miss Alan and stuff, and, um, you, when you're in middle school, you, it's, you don't learn really intense things. You just learn, like, bi- little Bible stories. 
and you learn little details about the Bible, but then when you go into high school, you get more in depth, and it really helps when you go in high school um, because you can learn, like, I don't know, you just, you go more in depth, and you can, like, get to know Jesus more, and I like to get involved with the middle school as much as I can because when I was in middle school and I went to middle school mayhem, there wasn't a lot of kids, but now when you go to middle school mayhem, there's a good amount, and I think it's because the youth group leaders, they make a little, they make it a lot more fun because you like play games that involve Jesus, and then you get to go learn about the Bible. And my scripture was John six thirty five, and Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, or whoever believes in me shall not thirst." And this relates because when I read this verse, to me it says you will have comfort no matter what. And if you come to know Jesus in middle school, you learn that you're loved no matter what happens and that you will be taken care of always. Bobby is basically a plug inserted that if your kid is not in youth ministry, they should be. Um, so, uh, no, it, it, it's great. It, it, it is designed intentionally for our youth, and it is so important. I mean, I, I really can't express it. There, there's only so much that uh, Tom can do preaching from up here or that I can do as a youth pastor um, and, and encouraging you towards that. But, uh, man... It speaks volumes when it says, when we, we say things like, Jesus is the most important, yet our actions don't show that it's not a priority um, when I'm willing to put more energy and effort towards an athletic than Jesus that is preaching a false gospel to my child. And I just throw that out there, not as a condemnation, but just to say, this is really important. The kids that we have consistently, I see growth. I see stability. I see the love of Christ grow in them. I see service. I see, uh, and, and I mean, I, we've gone through some stuff this year um, with our youth, and I've seen kids like uh, a kid of mine who's in college now, who isn't here this morning, so I can pick him, Justin Fuller, whose dad um, passed away this last year, who knew that sufferings were not sent as a punishment. He knew that God loved him. And he knew how to handle. It was tough. But man, I don't know necessarily if, without being involved and plugged in if he would have been able to go through it that same way. And then not to mention, we have a really good time. I mean, they may come back with bruises and, 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 and things like that from each other, not me. Um, but maybe Bryce. But that's about it. But it, it's, a, it's a great time. So I'd encourage you to talk to me if you have a kid who is not plugged in and you'd like to get them plugged in. And we have all sorts of awesome stuff starting up this summer. Now, the next young lady is going to come here and speak, and she's going to be our last one of the night. And um, night, I'm used to preaching at the night service. Morning. Uh, now, Quincy Burgraff is the uh, um, she, she's basically the youth group pro, is how I would uh, qualify her. Um, she literally um, brings her A game on youth trips. I've seen her I have video on my computer if you'd like to ever see it of her um, mocking the lady driving our bus in Las Vegas <laughs> she doesn't know I saved that um, it's it's great it's hilarious I thought about playing it up here but I didn't want to go there um, I've seen Quincy stop bloody noses with things that I didn't know were intended to stop bloody noses <laughs> we'll just stop there uh, but I've also seen Quincy 
lead a small group full of middle school girls and pour into them. Get up at, I don't know, Quincy, where are you? How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? 45, an, an hour and 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> their small group meets at 7.15 in the morning, and she's there every morning on a school morning to help teach these girls. So you do the math. I've seen her um, bring kids to youth group who probably wouldn't have come if I just would have invited them. I've seen her do those things. I've seen her act completely ridiculous, and I've seen her worship her brains out in the hotel room in California. I've seen her teach her peers. I've seen all of these things, and so um, she has been a huge blessing to me. Um, in all honesty, she deserves a fair amount of credit in, in our youth ministry for the work she's done. So, Quincy, come on up here and share what you have for everybody. Hi. So, I'm Quincy, and I'm Tom's daughter. For those of you who don't know me, and I'm not as good as a speaker as my dad, but I won't go as long as he does. So... <laughs> So MatPat asked me to talk about my experiences in high school and how all these experiences shaped me into the person I am today and the future I'm about to start heading into in about four months. So I grew up in a church, obviously, with my dad being a pastor and all, and I've always been involved in youth groups. And I always grew up looking up to my older brother, Tommy, and I always wanted to be the strong Christian he was. Um, to me, he always seemed like he had it all figured out all the time, and that's really why I started going to youth groups, because that made him the person he was, and I thought that if I went, that would make me the person I wanted to be, so that's how I really got involved. Um, before I knew it, I was in every youth group, every lunch, every activity, everything I could do. Um, it was I was always busy with something in the church. Um, but as I grew up and started entering into high school, youth activities weren't what was in. High schoolers didn't think that was as cool as I thought it was. Um, um, I started looking at my faith and wondering, what, why did I believe the things I did? Um, I heard my dad preach all the time, and I just watched my family praise God. And I was, I was just like, is this my faith or is this their faith? And so I kind of just realized that I believed the things I believed because I was in that family, and I wasn't really happy with that. So up until my sophomore year, I never had any problems in life. Um, life for me was always good. This made me think about my faith more, and I always questioned, if my life was always good, why did I even need God in my life? Um, the summer going into my sophomore year, Tommy left to go to college, and I have never been so low. Losing the one person I could completely trust with everything was a terrible thing for me. This is when the struggles in high school started for me. Luckily, I had two best friends, and they saw that when I wanted to start pulling away from God, they made me keep pushing and keep staying involved with youth groups, and they never let me forget about God and the relationship I had with him grew stronger because of them. And I am so thankful that Megan and Brittany are still my best friends today. Um, at the end of my sophomore year, the youth leaders took us down to California to worship to the West, and we had two 18-passenger vans, a minivan, and a Suburban full of crazy high schoolers, and we just went down to worship. But before this trip, me and my friends were going with a lot of drama with a lot of the girls that were going on this trip, and I remember getting into the vans and, like, looking at Megan and being like, this is going to be the longest week of my life. Like, I do not want to be here. 
But God had a different plan for us on this trip. Um, We were all worshiping in this conference room one night, and God showed up, and everyone knew somehow. It was crazy. Everyone was crying and praying and sharing, and everyone knew that God was there. And after that night, I knew I needed to figure my stuff out and figure out my faith. So um, from then on, I've tried to turn to God when things get tough. I know that every growing Christian has their ups and downs, but without those struggles, I don't think we'd be the people who we are today. Um, I would say that my senior year is when I've turned to God the most. Um, It has been the time in my life where I've learned things that have literally pulled me up from my lowest times in life. One of the major things I've dealt with this year is having grace. Having grace in every situation in life, no matter what. And this is definitely a hard one for me. To have grace for someone that has hurt me or for someone I can't stand seems impossible. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And this hit me hard to think about all the stuff I have done and all the grace that God has poured out on me and how I can't even think about giving grace to someone who just bugs me. Because um, the amounts of grace God gives me daily... <laughs> is not even comparable to the amount of grace God gives me. Something like that. Okay. (laughs) Another thing I have learned majorly struggled with this year is loving your enemies and loving the people who have hurt me the most. Um, To be able to show these people God's love through me is really hard for me. Um, To treat the people the way, to treat them the way the opposite of the way they've treated me. Um, I learned that if they cut me down, I need to try and build these people up. That if they ruin my day, I need to make theirs the best. If they insult me, I need to compliment them. And when they're focusing on my bad qualities, I need to start focusing on their good. Um, This is one of my major struggles in high school, and it's definitely still really hard for me. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 in the message says, You're familiar with the old written law. Love your friend and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. I am challenging that. I am telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm, the rain to nourish, to everyone regardless, the good, the bad, the nice, the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. So this is definitely hard for me, and I think it's even harder for girls in high school. Just because, yeah. And... (laughs) Um, But it's one of the major things that have helped me get through my struggles in high school. I know that in every situation I've not shown the best at doing this, but I think it's something that if I work on and keep doing this, all the other things I need to have in place will just fall into place because this is like one major thing. Um, High school is a rough place to be, and I started experiencing that a lot towards the end of my senior year. Without God and my friends and my family, I don't know what path I'd be going down right now. So towards the end, it seemed like everything that should be going right just started falling apart. I've never wanted to leave a place so badly as I did a couple months ago. It took me a lot to go hang out with my friends or to go to school, and I'm very grateful I have the friends and family that I do to help me get through all this during my tough times. Um, During this 
time in my life I started to apply to college because of the worship to the West trip. I've always wanted to go out to California, so I applied to Azusa Pacific Cal in Azusa Pacific in California, and I never really thought of any place else. I remember getting the phone call that said I was accepted, and I was so pumped. Um, one, because it was the only school I applied to, and two, because <laughs> it was my dream school. And I was set on going there until my aunt and uncle came to visit, and they were talking about Baylor University in Texas, which I had considered before, but I didn't send in my application. But for some reason, I sent in one after they left. And I was going through a lot with friends and family in school, and I just wanted to leave so badly. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to stay the whole summer in Gunnison. And so I got this letter like a week after when I was feeling like this. And I opened the letter, and the letter says that I have been accepted to Baylor University, but if I was to go, I would have to leave a week after graduation and take summer courses. So I was like, wow, God opens doors because I didn't want to be here in the summer. So it was so weird for me to think that during my tough times, God opened two doors for me, and now I had to choose. And I talked a lot to my friends and my family, my small group leaders, Michelle and Corey, about where I should go, and they all told me to pray about it. Pray for a sign that God would show me where I was meant to be. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to get a legit sign. But <laughs> I started praying anyways. I started on a Monday, and I told my parents that I would have my final decision on that upcoming Friday. And I prayed and prayed for a sign, a, like a real sign that like I could figure out that would be like, hello, Quincy, this is where you're supposed to be. And so I decided to ask God for a phone call because I figured that was pretty like legit. And if I got a phone call, I would know I was supposed to be there. So <laughs> I, like, Thursday night comes around and my dad's pressuring me, like, where are you going? And I'm like, I have a couple hours. Okay. So <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going. And my phone rings at like 9.30 at night. And I'm like, who's calling me this late on Thursday night on this blocked number, but I answer it. And on the other line is some Azusa representative, and they say, hey, Quincy, so I'm not really sure why I'm calling you since we're not making phone calls tonight, but I was wondering if there's anything I can make, do to make your decision about coming to Azusa any easier. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I'm headed to Azusa in the fall, and I have no idea what I will be doing there. I don't know anyone going out there, and I have no idea what I'll be studying. <laughs> I'm very excited, but also very scared at the same time, but this verse is helping me through. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed where he was called to go out, to a place that he was received as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. So I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I do know that I'm going with God and that his plan for me is to be at Azusa.